Welcome to episode 265 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about the eulogy of Diane Feinstein. Please support the show by visiting truthquestshirtfactory.com, where we produce shirts inspired by podcast episodes. All shirts are $30 and have free shipping. I want to preface this conversation with this. I'm not one who worships or even respects famous or powerful or wealthy people, celebrities and politicians. That's not to say that there are some that are worthy of respect, but none of them should be worshipped. The cult of personality is very destructive. I bring that up because Diane Feinstein passed away last month. The glowing coverage of her life in the alphabet soup conspiracy media was not surprising. It was quite similar to that of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the topic of episode 115. We heard things such as, Feinstein's political career was marked by a series of historic firsts. She was a trailblazer, a role model for women in government, the first female chair of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, California's first woman sent to the U.S. Senate, the first woman to sit on the Senate Judiciary Committee, the first female chairwoman of the Senate Rules and Administration Committee, the first female chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee. I mean, I get it. The left loves to virtue signal with all of the firsts. Hell, Gavin Newsom just appointed the first black lesbian from Maryland to take Feinstein's Senate seat. We've had the first homosexual man to be transportation secretary, who was formerly the first openly gay failed mayor of South Bend, Indiana. We have the first man who wears a dress serving as some unconstitutional and irrelevant undersecretary of health and human services or some other bullshit agency. Just shut up about it. After the moon landing, do we really need to celebrate all of these ridiculous firsts? James Sauls, Feinstein's Senate chief of staff, wrote, quote, There are few women who can be called senator, chairman, mayor, wife, mom, and grandmother. Senator Feinstein was a force of nature who made an incredible impact on our country and her home state. She left a legacy that is undeniable and extraordinary. There is much to say about who she was and what she did, but for now we are going to grieve the passing of our beloved boss, mentor, and friend. Others wrote, quote, she broke down barriers and glass ceilings. She never lost her belief in the spirit of political cooperation. Every race she won, she made history. But her story wasn't just about being the first woman in a particular political office. It was what she did for California and for America with that power once she earned it. That's what she'll be remembered for, end quote. Chuck U. Schumer said, quote, Dianne Feinstein is not like the others. She is in a class her own. He added, America is a better place because a senator ain't Dianne Feinstein. Talk about the cult of personality. America is better because of Dianne Feinstein, really? Other coverage included prose like this. During more than three decades in office, she delivered muscular support as well as withering criticism of the CIA, helped mold the federal bench, championed an assault weapons ban, and held down the center of the Democratic Party as it moved swiftly to the left. She disappointed liberals with her law-and-order approach towards governance and her long-standing support for the death penalty, even as she frustrated conservatives with her support for gun control and same-sex marriage rights. While some women celebrated Miss Feinstein as a trailblazer, others resented what they considered her insufficient attention to women's issues. I grabbed most of the above quotes from sites like CNN, NPR, San Francisco Chronicle, The Washington Times, The New York Times, Washington Post, and Time Magazine, and a couple others, because I knew the truth about Feinstein, and I was curious if it would be covered in these Celebration of Life articles from these radical left-wing, largely worthless rag publications. 
I continue to be amazed by the selective nature of the liberal rags who always take the occasion of a dead conservative or, or anti-establishment type to splatter their biographical eulogy articles with name-calling, and of course, pointing out the most minutely controversial pieces of history related to each individual. Look back at the coverage of Ronald Reagan's death, or Antony Scalia, or Herman Cain. The former received quite glowing coverage by most standards, but the pieces still pointed out every chink in his armor. Scalia and Cain received much harsher treatments as they were labeled extremists, hardliners, controversial, anti-women, you know, the usual pejoratives. Silly me. I thought Feinstein's warts would be at least mentioned in passing in the second-to-last paragraph before the writer closed with a glowing conclusion. In the remainder of this episode, I will fill in the blanks left out by the Feinstein puff pieces, especially when they left out what will inevitably be her greatest legacy. Let me say this from the start. I'm not saying Feinstein is a bad person. She overcame a lot in her life. From all indications, she was a good wife to her three husbands and a good mother. She certainly can be considered a high achiever, but none of that excuses her for allegedly selling out her country. I say allegedly because she is a member of the privileged class of well-connected national Democrats who enjoy the benefits of the dual justice system that our Department of Justice operates. She got the Hunter and Joe Biden treatment before anyone even heard the term Biden crime family. Before I jump in, I will say this. There is something to be said about not speaking ill of the dead, but when you're reading a biographical piece about someone, it should be, well, biographical. The good, the bad, the ugly, and it certainly should not omit, at best, a big, fat, black eye of someone's legacy, or at worst, treason. Here's a brief summary of her life and career. Born in San Francisco in 1933, graduated from Stanford University in 1955, after serving in the San Francisco County Supervisor, she became the first female mayor in 1978. She was first elected to the U.S. Senate in 1992, where she stayed until the day she died, being the Senate's oldest member. Let me stop right there and ask you a question. Why in the hell do all these octogenarians refuse to retire from their congressional seats? Look at cocaine Mitch McConnell with his recurring 30-yard stare. Nancy Pelosi can barely string two coherent sentences together without her dentures and her brain skipping. Maxine Waters is the stereotypical angry old lady. Give her a microphone and she just starts yelling and calling for violence against anyone who disagrees with her insane ideas. And then there's the rotting bag of oatmeal who is clearly the victim of elder abuse, Joe Biden. What are they holding on to? Or is it that they're hiding something that only death can cover up? Some of you may think I'm a jerk for what I'm about to say, but I do not subscribe to the idea that we should ignore people's records just because they are dead. If you do that often enough, history will repeat itself over and over again. I, for one, am not interested in seeing any more Dianne Feinsteins involved in national politics. She, like so many others who served in Washington, D.C., sold her soul to the devil, or in Dianne's case, the Chinese. I mean, there are a lot of devils chasing our 535 members of Congress, lobbyists, foreign governments, blackmailers, and con artists. Think about it. In order to control America, all you have to do is buy off 273 people, 51 in the Senate and 222 in the House. I mean, come on, that's a no-brainer. The country has been heading downhill almost from the very day Diane assumed office in 1992. She is the poster child for what is wrong with our leadership class. She was bought and paid for. 
No different than Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, Paul Ryan, Kevin McCarthy, Hakeem Jeffries, Chuck Schumer, and 200 others. Here is the TruthQuest eulogy of Dianne Feinstein, Democrat senator from California, Dianne Feinstein, who never held a real job in the private sector, yet assumed she was royalty, filling a lifetime appointment in the United States Senate, recently passed away. She entered the Senate with a meager net worth, having served in the San Francisco government for several years, including mayor. She died with a reported net worth of over $100 million, some of which was acquired through marriage, but as you will see, some of it was likely dirty. She was a fierce advocate for killing innocent babies in the womb, an enemy of the Second Amendment, a defender of the surveillance state, and most recently a huge advocate for big tech censorship, and a grifter. Let's explain each of these claims. The platform of her first Senate race included writing a women's right to kill the innocent baby in their womb into federal law. She said, quote, the Congress must pass it and the president must sign it, and if he vetoes it, we must override the veto. So from day one, she was unencumbered by the restraints of the Constitution. Couldn't care less about the Tenth Amendment. We're going to write unconstitutional laws for 300 million people, to which I say, screw you, lady. What about the claim that she was enemy of the Second Amendment? Well, a biography from Feinstein's Senate office states her notable achievements include, quote, the enactment of the Federal Assault Weapons Ban in 1994 a law that prohibited the sale, manufacture, and import of military-style assault weapons. Pause. Anyone else curious what a military-style assault weapon is? Well, apparently Feinstein and her staff reviewed pictures of weapons and simply categorized them as such based on the looks, and they wrote the law to ban them. At the time, the woman would not have known the difference between a semi-automatic weapon and a machine gun. Hell, I may have given her too much credit. She probably didn't even know the difference on her deathbed. Again, spit on the Constitution, violate her oath of office. The woman defended the National Security Agency, the NSA, by saying, it's called protecting America. No, honey, it's called spitting on the Constitution. It's called violating your oath of office. It's called illegal search and seizure. A huge advocate for big tech censorship. In recent years, she could be regularly found in congressional hearings threatening CEOs of major social media platforms with additional government regulations and scrutiny if they did not ramp up their online censorship. I mean, come on, folks. She's an advocate for making up congressional rights and ignoring illegal search and seizure, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment. You tell me this is someone worth celebrating? Finally, Feinstein will be most remembered for being the first prominent U.S. politician to likely be owned by the Chinese long before Eric Swalwell, Mitch McConnell, and the Biden crime family were on the take from China, she employed a Chinese driver who also served as her one-time chief of staff, who was a Chinese spy. The FBI investigated her numerous $50,000-a-plate fundraiser dinners and found that they were regularly purchased by Chinese actors. After the investigation, she agreed to pay back $12,000. You will find no coverage of this scandal in any of the Alphabet Soup conspiracy rag media outlets. They act like it never happened, and given what we know about the Biden crime family, how hard is it to conclude that the Chinese has similar arrangements with Senator Feinstein? What else explains her dramatic increase in net worth? The fact that the liberal rags left out any mention of her connection to the Chinese tells me they are hiding something, something that they believe went to the grave with Diane. And given the dual justice system in America, they're probably correct. So I pose the same question I asked earlier. 
Why in the hell do so many octogenarians refuse to retire from their congressional seats? Former Feinstein aide Jim Lazarus believes her reasons for staying in office rather than enjoying retirement were personal. Quote, I just don't think she could see what else to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. She felt well enough and alert enough and strong enough to serve, end quote. Until she didn't, and she still refused to step down. I call bullshit. Just like resident Biden, she stayed in the game despite not being able to walk or put two sentences together because she likely sold her soul to the devil many years ago and refused to be exposed for the crook that she was while she was still alive. She never wanted to hear the truth, so she hung on to her position literally until her dying day. I hope I'm wrong about my assessment of Feinstein, but the fact that her clouded past was completely ignored by the mainstream press leads me to believe that there is more to the story and until a real investigation is conducted and her name cleared, I will remain skeptical and assume the worst because the devilish corrupting influence of Washington is more powerful than any drug on earth. Money and power and influence. If I could ask Feinstein one question right now, I'd ask her, was selling your soul worth it? And that's the truth about the eulogy of Diane Feinstein. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, share episodes with your friends, and support the podcast by visiting truthquestshirtfactory.com.